Section number 24 of Glimpses of Bengal by Rabindranath Tagore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Shalida, 8th May, 1893. Poetry is a very old love of mine. I must have been engaged to her when I was only Rati's. Footnote 1. Rati, his son, was then five years old. End of footnote. H. Long ago, the recesses under the old banyan tree beside our tank, the inner gardens, the unknown regions on the ground floor of the house, the whole of the outside world, the nursery rhymes and tales told by the maids, created a wonderful fairyland within me. It is difficult to give a clear idea of all the vague and mysterious happenings of that period, but this much is certain, that my exchange of garlands... Footnote 2. The Betrothal Ceremony. End of footnote 2 with poetic fancy was already duly celebrated i must admit however that my betrothed is not an auspicious maiden whatever else she may bring one it is not good fortune i cannot say she has never given me happiness but peace of mind with her is out of the question the lover whom she favours may get his fill of bliss but his heart's blood is wrung out under her relentless embrace it is not for the unfortunate creature of her choice ever to become a staid and sober householder, comfortably settled down on a social foundation. Consciously or unconsciously, I may have done many things that were untrue, but I have never uttered anything false in my poetry. That is a sanctuary where the deepest truths of my life find refuge. Shalida, 10th May, 1893 Here come black swollen masses of cloud, they soak up the golden sunshine from the scene in front of me like great pads of blotting paper. Rain must be near, for the breeze feels moist and tearful. Over there, on the sky-piercing peaks of Simla, you will find it hard to realize exactly what an important event the coming of the clouds is here, or how many are anxiously looking up to the sky, hailing their advent. I feel a great tenderness for these peasant folk, our riots big helpless infantile children of providence who must have food brought to their very lips or they are undone when the breasts of mother earth dry up they are at a loss what to do and can only cry but no sooner is their hunger satisfied than they forget all their past sufferings i know not whether the socialistic ideal of a more equal distribution of wealth is attainable but if not the dispensation of providence is indeed cruel and man a truly unfortunate creature for if in this world misery must exist so be it but let some little loophole some glimpse of possibility at least be left which may serve to urge the nobler portion of humanity to hope and struggle unceasingly for its alleviation they say a terribly hard thing who assert that the division of the world's production to afford each one a mouthful of food a bit of clothing is only an utopian dream all these social problems are hard indeed fate has allowed humanity such a pitifully meagre coverlet that in pulling it over one part of the world another has to be left bare in allaying our poverty we lose our wealth and with this wealth what a world of grace and beauty and power is lost to us but the sun shines forth again through the clouds are still banked up in the west shelley though eleventh may eighteen ninety three there is another pleasure for me here sometimes one or other of our simple devoted old riots comes to see me and their worshipful homage is so unaffected how much greater than i are they in the beautiful simplicity and sincerity of their reverence 
what if i am unworthy of their veneration their feeling loses nothing of its value i regard these grown-up children with the same kind of affection that i have for little children but there is also a difference they are more infantile still little children will grow up later on but these big children never a meek and radiantly simple soul shines through their worn and wrinkled old bodies little children are merely simple they have not the unquestioning unwavering devotion of these if there be any undercurrent along which the souls of men may have a communication with one another then my sincere blessing will surely reach and serve them shelida sixteenth may eighteen ninety three i walk about for an hour on the river bank fresh and clean after my afternoon bath then i get into the new jolly boat anchor in midstream and on a bed spread on the plank over stern i lie silently there on my back in the darkness of the evening little s sits beside me and chatters away and the sky becomes more and more thickly studded with stars each day the thought recurs to me shall i be reborn under this star-spangled sky will the peaceful rapture of such wonderful evenings ever again be mine on this silent bengal river in so secluded a corner of the world perhaps not the scene may be changed i may be born with a different mind many such evenings may come but they may refuse to nestle so trustfully so lovingly with such complete abandon to my breast curiously enough my greatest fear is lest i should be reborn in europe for there one cannot recline like this with one's whole being laid open to the infinite above one is liable i am afraid to be soundly rated for lying down at all i should probably have been hustling strenuously in some factory or bank or parliament like the roads there one's mind has to be stone metalled for heavy traffic geometrically laid out and kept clear and regulated i am sure i cannot exactly say why this lazy dreamy self-absorbed sky-filled state of mind seems to me the more desirable i feel no whit inferior to the busiest men of the world as i lie here in my jolly boat rather had i girded up my loins to be strenuous i might have seemed ever so feeble compared to those chips of old oaken blocks shalida third july eighteen ninety three all last night the wind howled like a stray dog and the rain still pours on without a break the water from the fields is rushing in numberless purling streams to the river the dripping riots are crossing the river in the ferry boat some of their tokas footnote one conical hats of straw or split bamboo and a footnote one on others with yam leaves held over their heads big cargo boats are gliding along the boatman sitting drenched at his helm the crew straining at the tow ropes through the rain the birds remain gloomily confined to their nests but the sons of men fare forth for in spite of the weather the world's work must go on two coward lads are grazing their cattle just in front of my boat the cows are munching away with great gusto their noses plunged into the lush grass their tails incessantly busy flicking off the flies the raindrops and the sticks of the coward boys fall on their backs with the same unreasonable persistency and they bear both with equally uncritical resignation steadily going on with their munch 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 these cows have such mild affectionate mournful eyes why i wonder 
should providence have thought fit to impose all the burden of man's work on the submissive shoulders of these great gentle beasts the river is rising daily what i could see yesterday only from the upper deck i can now see from my cabin windows every morning i awake to find my field of vision growing larger not long since only the treetops near those distant villages used to appear like dark green clouds today the whole of the wood is visible land and water are gradually approaching each other like two bashful lovers the limit of their shyness has nearly been reached their arms will soon be round each other's necks i shall enjoy my trip along this brimful river at the height of the rains i am fidgeting to give the order to cast off shelida fourth july eighteen ninety three a little gleam of sunlight shows this morning there was a break in the rains yesterday but the clouds are banged up so heavily along the skirts of the sky that there is not much hope of the break lasting it looks as if a heavy carpet of cloud had been rolled up to one side and at any moment a fussy breeze may come along and spread it over the whole place again covering every trace of blue sky and golden sunshine what a store of water must have been laid up in the sky this year the river has already risen over the low chur lands footnote one old sandbanks consolidated by the deposit of a layer of cultural bowl soil End of footnote one threatening to overwhelm all the standing crops the wretched riots in despair are cutting and bringing away in boats sheaves of half-ripe rice as they pass my boat i hear them bewailing their fate it is easy to understand how heart-rending it must be for cultivators to have to cut down their rice on the very eve of its ripening the only hope left them being that some of the years may possibly have hardened into grain there must be some element of pity in the dispensations of providence else how did we get our share of it but it is so difficult to see where it comes in the lamentations of these hundreds of thousands of unoffending creatures do not seem to get anywhere the rain pours on as it lists the river still rises and no amount of petitioning seems to have the effect of bringing relief from any quarter one has to seek consolation by saying that all this is beyond the understanding of man and yet it is so vitally necessary for man to understand that there are such things as pity and justice in the world however this is only sulking reason tells us that creation never can be perfectly happy so long as it is incomplete it must put up with imperfection and sorrow it can only be perfect when it ceases to be creation and is god do our prayers dare go so far the more we think over it the oftener we come back to the starting point why this creation at all if we cannot make up our minds to object to the thing itself it is futile complaining about its companion sorrow end of section number twenty four